every year, the Sunday after Pentecost, we always celebrate uh, the feast or solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, and then the week following, next week, we celebrate uh, Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ. That's, and then we're back in ordinary time, actually, tomorrow, we're all green, but white on those two Sundays. Um, I think it's more appropriate than ever this year, on so many levels, I think there's a connection with the virus and with the street violence and with the shouting for justice and equality, um, and to me, it it, it is encapsulating and capturing this mystery of the Trinity. But I want to begin by saying that, um, unfortunately, I think that we sometimes tend to try to define our faith in a way so that in a word or in a phrase, we think we understand it. So, for example, in the preface, uh, right before we sing the Holy Holy, which usually is very thematic, especially for feasts, it's trying to capture the meaning of the feast. We're talking about the majesty of God, and we say, in his Godhead. What the heck is a Godhead? We talk about God all-knowing, but, but we, we use this word for Trinity, Godhead, the Father, Son, and Spirit, in his Godhead. And I think that it, to me, objectifies the Spirit in a word. I rather think of the Holy Spirit like this. I walk over the edge, and there's a hole here, and I'm looking at it, and I slip, ah, and I start falling. And I say, where's the bottom? Where's the, it's bottomless. And an hour later, I'm still falling. It's bottomless. Where is the bottom? That's the Holy Spirit. Pure mystery. Mystical. Beyond understanding. And when I was in seminary, we, we uh, studied theology and philosophy, and there were words that were used to try to describe it as if we could, this mystery of God. So two words that are seemingly, and I guess they are opposite, is his imminence and transcendence. And the imminence of God says this, that God is so close that he's in us, in every molecule in our body, in every atom. God is in us and we're in God. There is absolutely no separation. God is imminent. He's totally intimately with us and within us. But he's transcendent. He's, he's everywhere. He's out to the outer limits and beyond, beyond all matter. In fact, I thought that the, the little response, uh, the um, Alleluia verse said it. Listen to this. Glory to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to God who is, who was, and who is to come. He always was, he is, and he will be forever. That's God. Now, I don't know about you, but that turns me on. God is just in every place. In fact, I have a theological problem. I've said it before, so there's no surprise. I have a problem believing in hell because this is how we define it. In hell, you're completely separated from God. You can't be. There can't be a place we call it hell, where God isn't, because God is everywhere. Nothing can exist except in God. However, that concept is described for us in the gospel, but before we get to it, I'd like to just uh, look at these readings, because they, they kind of cover Father, Son, and Spirit. The first one, Father. In that first reading, um, it takes place, Moses and God, okay? And um, 
This is what it says in the book of Exodus. Early in the morning, Moses went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, taking along the two stone tablets. Then, this is a favorite expression in the Bible, that God exists in the darkness of a cloud. A cloud would come and cover everybody in darkness, and that's where they'd experience God, God's voice, God's presence. They knew God was there. So it says, having come down in a cloud, the Lord stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name, Lord. Just reading. Thus the Lord passed before him, and the Lord cried out, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity. So Moses says this. You just got to love the Jews, because the Jews, oh my God, they, they had such familiarity. They had fear of the Lord. They would, Moses falls down you know, in, in adoration. But then he says this. Listen to these words. He says, Moses at once bowed down to the ground in worship. But then he said this. Hey, Lord, if I find favor with you, do come along in our company. What, what a depiction. That's transcendence and imminence. Falls down before God's glory in adoration. And he says, hey, Lord, come and join us. Join our group. Shouldn't we do the same? To me, we should. We come in the church, and we, we have this sense of adoration and praise and singing and silence. And we use incense, and bells, all kinds of things. But shouldn't we say, Lord, come on in. Get in here. Fill my heart. Fill my mind. Fill my soul. Guide me. Love me. Teach me. Show me. Hold me. Forgive me. The transcendence and imminence of God. If we let God in in a way so powerfully, especially through the gift he gave us in his son, we say at the beginning of the uh, Gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, all caps, Jesus, the Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And this word took on human flesh and was born into this world. This gift of God given to us in the person of Jesus, Jesus the Christ. So years, some perhaps 20 years after Jesus has died, risen, ascended, sent the gift of the Spirit, and the disciples have gone out preaching everywhere, Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian community that he formed. And he says this, Brothers and sisters, rejoice! Rejoice! Mend your ways, encourage one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Then he says this, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now that's living the Christian life. Here's where we're intersecting with our time right now. We've got this virus, this little cootie, you see that little thing with all the colors and the things sticking out? And that one little virus, I think I read it was one thousandth of a, of a piece of hair. It is so tiny. It's minuscule. You can't see it. You have to have a microscope. And that can kill us. And it's invisible. It's wearing masks and sanitizing our hands till we're rubbing off the skin because... We just know the power out there. That's amazing. That we have no control of. But you know what we do have control of? Is equality for all. That everybody, no matter what color of skin, no matter how they speak, no matter what religion, no matter what politics, 
I read this this morning in the Times. It really caught my eye. Um, I want to see if I can pull it up in a second. It, it, this was in Dallas. It is an article by Laura King and Curtis Lee and Jaweed Kalim. It says this, America is having a conversation with itself in voices that ring with rage, despair, and sometimes hope. Yeah, we are. We've been knocked to our knees because of this virus. And, and some people scared every day, will I make it? But we also have been forced to confront racial ugliness and divisions that exist really out of ignorance and fear. I remember when I was in South Central in a black and Latin community, and um, there was this woman, Dorothy. She, she was kind of educated by life, but she, she always said this to me, Father Perry, Father Perry, she said, I'll do anything. I'll clean the toilets, but don't ask me to read. I only have a fourth grade education. I don't read well, but I'll clean the toilets. I'll do anything. And she did. She was a total servant. So I, uh, one day on, the, on uh, some program, I saw that where she had come from in New Orleans, um, one of the early Catholic churches, famous, and um, they had ca black Catholics. Probably the majority were Baptists, but black Catholics. And and I read that they used to have to sit at the back of the church. And when it came time for communion, the white people came first to receive. And after the whites finished, then the blacks could come forward. I said, in my church? That was in my church? Oh, my God, how embarrassing. So I said to Dorothy one day, I said, Dorothy, why don't you black people hate us whites? Why don't you hate us? You should. And she chuckled. She chuckled and said, oh, Father Perry, they, they were just ignorant. They didn't know. And I said, there's a woman who embraced that second reading. Mend your ways. Forgive. Let it go. Don't hate. Give a holy kiss, even to a white person. Could we say the same? I'll give a holy kiss to a black person, to somebody who doesn't look like me, doesn't think like me. Isn't that what Trinity is all about? Father, Son, and Spirit equal all one. You know, when I, uh, I'm going to confess a sin of mine, one of them is that, that um, um, I discovered early in life that I don't like going somewhere with two other people. Uh, I think uh, they say two's company, three's a crowd. If you go on a vacation and there's three and one person kind of uh, takes over conversation, it irritates me. Wait a minute, I was speaking. I hate when someone cuts me off. In the middle of a sentence, they cut me off? You cut me off? So I always say that two's company, three's a crowd. But what, what's our God? Father, Son, and Spirit. Perfectly equal. This communion of love among the three. Three in one. Three in one. So, the gospel challenges us. And I think um, we, we had this reading earlier in the week, and a friend of mine were talking and had confusion over this line. I've always struggled with it, but in the gospel it said this, um, whoever believes in him, that's Jesus the Christ, whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned. Condemned. 
because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Really? That those two-thirds of the world are not Christian. They don't believe in Jesus as Lord. They're condemned. I don't think that's what it means. And I don't think it's talking about hell uh, like a place or a state Unless it's talking about we live in, inside and we're either in heaven or in hell. We're either kingdom people or we're not. We have to choose. So one of the themes, and it's very strong in John, and I think it, it expresses it, is the theme of darkness and light. And if light is where you see and recognize and you can appreciate because you can see, then the opposite of that is darkness that you can't see. You can't recognize. And I think this is what it's really talking about. So I wrote in the, um, on the Facebook page, I think it's there, uh, a reflection on this because it, it really struck me. I was in my mind saying, well, what, how can I say what this is? So here's my description. Um, I'm outside that door over there, uh, and it's in total darkness, total darkness. But somehow I get to the door of the church, I feel the door, and I recognize what it is. I've never been in this building, but I see a crack of light coming out from under the door. And I say, oh my God. So somebody near me says, oh, you should go in there. It is so beautiful. And you go in there, it is bright and lit up, and you can see windows and colors and statues and pictures and wood and glorious. It's beautiful. There are flowers. It's beautiful. You will just be overcome with beauty. And if I dare to open the door and come into the light, I see incomparable beauty. And I'm, call it salvation, call it kingdom, call it coming to life. But the other scenario is this. I come to the light at the door and I see this little light. I'm standing in total darkness, can't see anything except this little light. Somebody says, if you go in there, you'll see all this beauty and light and, and, and you'll just be enraptured and blah, 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 blah. And I respond like this. Huh? I don't know, should I? Am I worthy? Could I? I don't know, I'm afraid. What if, what if I go in there and I'm not accepted? I, I don't know. I, I can't risk it. And I turn and walk back into the darkness. That's condemnation. Who did the condemning? It's my choice. Do I choose to live in light or darkness? Do I want to be a child of the light or darkness? All day long today we will make choices. They will be choices for light or they'll be choices for darkness. On the streets out there, in these protests, we are being forced to have a conversation now. What do we want? Is America a place of light or darkness? Do we accept everyone and anyone just because they're human beings and children of God equal to me? Nobody's above me. No one's below me. We're equal. But we can act in ways that we put ourselves or others above or below. How awful. This Feast of Trinity is teaching us, calling us, three persons in one God. How could God be anything less than something more? Multiple. A, a, a unity of community, of love. That's the Trinity. And it's in that Trinity that we mark ourselves and call ourselves again and again and again as we say things like this, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the name of this triune God, I mark myself as a Christian, as a follower of Christ.